If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. Hey, what's up, folks? My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. You guys are amazing. I hope that as you are listening to this, whenever that is, wherever you happen to be listening at, that you are safe and healthy and everyone in your orbit is safe and healthy as well. So uh, this this episode, I had a really hard time editing this, which is why it published a couple days later uh, than it was supposed to. My guest is, is Dennis Procopio. He's a male life coach. He runs a company called uh, Man Up Life Coaching, where basically he helps guys, dads, whatever, who kind of get stuck in life, who need direction to be the better version of themselves. And and so he's a, he's a really cool guy, does a really good job. He came on the show originally because we were going to just sort of bring attention to what he does because I think it's a really positive thing. And as we, as we went into this, well, Dennis is also an autism dad. So we kind of have that connection as well. As we went into this, the conversation sort of evolved away from anything that was planned and, and kind of turned into um, a life coaching session for me. Neither one of us had planned on that happening, uh, but it just kind of organically did. And Dennis is super easy to talk to. I feel like I opened up a little more than what I I would have otherwise. And I and I shared things uh, that maybe I haven't talked about publicly before. And that's okay because it's nothing like catastrophic. But I went back and forth as I was as I was editing this. Like, what do I want to keep in? What do I want to remove. Um, if you don't know, like when you record a podcast, there's a lot of work that goes into the back end of it. So like I may talk to somebody for an hour and it might take a week to edit it. 
you know, there could be hundreds of edits inside of a, an episode. And I had to decide what I wanted to keep in, what I wanted to remove as far as the stuff that I said. And I opted ultimately to just leave everything in because I feel like a, there's nothing to be ashamed of B it's just sort of my truth and it is what it is. And it kind of felt good to say some of these things out loud. And I also hope that it helps other people out there. Maybe, maybe there's a guy out there who maybe feels like he's, you know, his feelings don't matter or he shouldn't feel a certain way or whatever. Cause like guys, they, we have feelings and our feelings matter and we should be validated. And I was a little bit uncomfortable at first, but ultimately I'm very happy with the way this turned out and I feel really good about it. Dennis is an awesome guy and he is an autism dad uh, like me and some of the other dads that have been on the show. And he's also a life coach, but we're going to get into that like in a minute. But Dennis, thank you very much for taking the time to, well, we had to reschedule once. So thank you for rescheduling and, and coming back. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, man, it's all good. I, I mean, we're, we're both dads, so I totally get it. Yeah. So thank you again. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, um, I'm a coach for men. I'm a father. I am the other half of a wonderful partner. Uh, Celia, who is a great mom, and she and I both work in the um, capacity of helper myself with the life coaching. She's a lawyer that works in education law that actually helps children in foster care to gain services, particularly children with special needs in foster care to gain services um, that are technically awarded to them by the state of California, but which are not, they're not receiving because they've either an unfortunate foster home environment or something awry in the school system itself. So we're sort of like a dynamic duo and together we parent this beautiful little child who has both a chondroplasia, dwarfism and moderate to severe ASD. How was the diagnostic process? I always ask people that because it seems to be different like wherever you are across the globe. What was your experience like? So, I mean, I tend to be a monologist, so jump in at any time. Sure. But, because, um, I mean, you figure I have to talk to guys for one-hour sessions all day, and my guys aren't really talkers, so yeah. I could kill an hour, dude. Um, but <laughs> it, but the, the, the sort of short version, quote-unquote, air quotes, is um, 12 years ago, Celia and I met each other in um, New Orleans, where... Uh, we were both living, uh, myself, a Hurricane Katrina survivor. I was sort of putting my life back together, sort of licking my wounds. I had just gotten into health and wellness and betterment full force. I was getting physically fit. I was, I quit alcohol. I had quit, which by the way, I'm sober 14 years this month. So Congratulations. And I was, I was on this real wellness trip. That's when Celia manifested. I put something out there on the internet. She and I met. She's a lawyer. I'm an artist and educator. We met in a dog park. She had two dogs. I had two dogs. And three months later, we discovered on my birthday, December 20th, guess what? We're pregnant. So that's where our journey began. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, the first thought you have to wrap your mind around is, I just got this girl pregnant. She's not a girl. I mean, we were in our mid to late 30s at that point. But this woman, she'd never been pregnant before. This was new territory for her. Neither of us had been married. And so were the single, well, suddenly the single folks uh, discovering that we're parents. We went to the ultrasound. Everything was fine. We decided, I really like you. I really like you too. Even though, if I can be completely honest, we both operated under the premise that we're pro-choice. 
We determined that with that choice, we were uncomfortable with moving forward with any sort of termination. And we decided it's appropriate now that we're in the situation to keep the child, even though we're not married, we're just going to move forward. And we decided to embrace the idea of parenthood. When we started going to the uh, uh, hospital, I believe it was Toro, uh, Toro in New Orleans, um, everything was fine. You know, first trimester, fine. Second trimester, fine. You know, she looked beautiful and she had that six-month glow. And then it, her due date was sometime in July, August. And it was New Orleans, which is super, super hot and humid. It's, you know, a subtropical environment. She was miserable and just wanted to get this thing out of her. And so at our 34-week ultrasound, we discovered a couple of things. One, we discovered that she was dealing with preeclampsia, which meant that it was a high-risk pregnancy. She used the majority of her maternal leave from her law firm um, to stay on bed rest. And in addition to that, we sat in a room with someone going over and over and over her belly um, with the ultrasound wand and the contact gel. And they brought in basically like a team of specialists. And that's when we started to realize, I think we're on a different journey here. And we received the message that his head was in the 100th percentile. His uh, long bones, as they are called, which turned out to be a misnomer, are uh, 14 10 to 14 weeks underdeveloped, which meant that the prognosis was probably that he would have one of over 300 types of dwarfism. So from there, it was suggested to us when the baby is born, you're probably going to want to speak to a geneticist immediately and get an accurate diagnosis. So we started off understanding that something was awry, something was amiss. Now, there are 300 different types of dwarfism. My son has achondroplasia dwarfism, which is the most popular type of dwarfism. And it basically means he's got a big head, uh, average sized torso, little arms, little legs, mid-face dysplasia, but it's otherwise perfectly normal or average, as we might say. So we plugged in to the dwarfism community, the group called Hope or Parents of Little People, that's the acronym, um, on Facebook. And we became friends with the dwarfism community at large. We became members of the LPA, which is the Little People of America. And we started learning all about what it is to be a dwarfism parent and how children with dwarfism have different normal milestones. There was different height, weight, just when you're raising a child with dwarfism, you're following a different set of rules, a different set of measurements. The, the American pediatrics, whatever it is, the uh, society has its own specifics for tracking your, ch your, your child's height and weight and et cetera. So somewhere along the way, we started noticing that he wasn't doing the things that the average quote unquote child with dwarfism, which by the way is to say one in 25,000 kids is born with this type of dwarfism. He wasn't doing the things that he should be doing. He wasn't teething. He wasn't sitting up properly. He wasn't making eye contact in the right way. Something was off with his gaze patterns. Something else was going on. This was immediately, this was in the first, let's say, six months, year of being alive. We started noticing he's, he has dwarfism and something else is happening. That was the first hint we had that we might be dealing with the child on the spectrum. 
unit is pretty early. Yeah, because we were tracking with these other parents who, you know, were posting, yeah. hey, my kid is sitting up. My kid is eating solid food. And, you know, we were like, my kid still can't crawl and stuff like that. So he ended up, my son's name is Bennett. It, which is his uh, German grandmother's surname. In fact, his entire name, Bennett Rutherford Procopio, is comprised of three surnames. That's His middle name is her last name. So he's got this mighty heroic title. He's a little, little Tyrion Lannister from Game of Thrones. He has this mighty title for, for such a, a miniature little fella. And he's a ginger. And he's a Leo. So he's a lot. Anyway, we started noticing right away that he wasn't doing the things that other kids were doing. Bennett was raised with constant ear infections, ear tubes, all kinds of ear tubes, double ear infections, cried all the time, unconsolably. Um, after that, we found ourselves in and out of the children's hospital and ended up having to do a really, really uh, intense invasive surgery uh, called cervicomedullary uh, junction decompression, which is a fancy way of saying the brain stem comes out of the brain, goes through a hole in the base of the skull. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. And that hole, which is called a foramen magnum, isn't magnum, it's minimum. It's too small. So you have to dremel it out. Yep. I mean, as a dad, I'm just saying that like I'm working on a, you know, like I'm yeah. working, you know, fixing the shed or something, you know. Yeah. So basically they had to screw, bolt, bolt his head face down, put his face in a donut pillow, bolt his head face down, fillet his neck open, dremel out the base of his skull, and then put everything back together again. It was one of the hardest things his mother and I have gone through because he was only 16 months old. He was intubated. He was tied down. Um, you know, he had his arms restrained. The only way he could communicate was with his eyes. It was, I've had a rough life and I'm telling you, this was one of the harder moments was going through this kid's, wow. I'll take the heat, man, but I don't want to see my kid go through it. You know how that yeah. is. Oh no, I get it. So we went through one decompression surgery, which created more space around his uh, medulla oblongata and which is the, you know, the, basically the, 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 the your brain comes out of the brain case and it goes down through your spinal column. So right there at that transition, that's your medulla oblongata. So we created a little space for some CSF or cerebral spinal fluid. That really, we started to see a lot of improvements. Then we discovered that he had central obstructive sleep apnea because he had an especially large tonsils, those had to be removed. And tr as you know, try doing a sleep study with a child with autism. That's fun. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not fun. Everybody yeah. out there, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really was a challenge getting this kid to do a sleep study. Um, so anyway, we got through that process. Long story longer, we've lived in children's hospitals between his, uh, his dwarfism junk and stuff. So we got through so we got through a couple of these decompression surgeries, not one, but two. We moved out here to San Diego where we've been for almost a decade now. He required a second surgery. We moved out here he'll be 11 on uh, July 30th. We moved out here when he was 2 just turning 3. And when we were trying to take him to daycare centers, because, you know, we both had new jobs and couldn't afford the luxury of taking off any time we wanted because of our special needs child, we found that we were being best received by 
caretakers who were skilled at working with children with autism. And we observed that he was getting along particularly well with some of the other kids on the spectrum. So by around three or four years old, it became evident to us, I think we might be dealing with an, an, an ASD prognosis. And so then we specifically did testing aimed at this. It's, the school worked together with us. Um, we started going to Rady's uh, out here in San Diego, Rady's Children's Hospital, who has an awesome autism support network. And we discovered, in fact, yes, Bennett is moderate to severe. That was our, okay, it's official. Bennett is, is, a, child, is a child who is moderate to severe on the spectrum. How's he doing now? He's amazing. Awesome. So some of the ways that he is obviously not typical, is he short? You know, he's 11 years old and he's, I mean, at his tallest, he probably won't be much taller than 4142. Just for the sake of educational purposes, we never use the term midget for a person with dwarfism. We instead use the term person with dwarfism. You can also say a person is a dwarf, but you try not to use objectifying language. Right. Object, you know, an object, a dwarf. He's a person. So he's a person who has dwarfism. So he gets around incredibly. He runs, he jumps, he plays, he climbs. His verbal has, we've been working with, as you know, um, ABA therapy is is the jam. So we've had ABA workers coming to our house twice a week, right up until COVID. And of course, we were affected pretty heavily, like I'm sure most parents uh, of kids with special needs by COVID, because our kids don't just get on a, on a tablet and self-entertain while we do our jobs in another room. Yeah. We might find that out, actually, at some point when my kids burst through the door, because that's just what happens. <laughs> and, if it, and if it happens, more power to them. Yep. Um, my, my, uh, my kid is actually at school right now. I'm blessed. My son, my son is living my ideal life. He goes to school on the beach, man. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so daddy comes from Philadelphia, and daddy comes from the grimiest parts of Philadelphia and surrounding areas. So it's a blessing to have a, you know, if I'm honest, a six-figure business that allows me to, you know, raise this child in an environment of abundance and with a mother who loves him to death. We have two dogs, two cats. Our two dogs are two of the original four that we had when we met each other, um, Celia and myself. And um, he goes to school uh, in Point Loma. So every day when we when we pick him up, we're driving to the ocean. And here's this little wonder boy with the freckles and the brown eyes and the bright orange hair running around in the sunshine. He has the most wonderful teachers. And uh, he's a like most of our kids, he's a whiz with devices. Mm -hmm. And he communicates, does a lot of scripting, okay. which, you know, for the initiated, that means that, you know, he's repeating things that he hears in familiar uh, TV programs. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know all about that. Dora the Explorer. I can't tell you the number of times I've, I've heard, you know, swiper, no swiping, swiper, no swiping. When he's, <laughs> when he's nervous about something, he'll immediately, that's a, like, if he gets triggered, he'll, he'll, Dora, no. 
intelligence. Or he'll tell me out of nowhere if he wants me to do something faster. He's like, mas mucho rápido, papi. I'm like, you speak Spanish now? So, That's so cool. He's, he's freaking great. I, I, I can't tell. But he's got this really annoying habit. This little kid is a spy. He walks around with his... Uh, with his iPad, and he's been constantly taking pictures and videos of us when we haven't been aware of it. So, and then he's been uploading these giant, like 300 to 700 megabyte um, files onto my iCloud because apparently he figured out how to share my iCloud with his iCloud wow. on the on the back end, and then he systematically goes through and deletes my photos. So, wow, make sure he has room for his stuff. Yeah, so my son is wonderful. He's amazing. He's beautiful. He's the best. His mother and I recognize that he has differences and that we better make a whole lot of money so that there's a trust fund in place because I'm really not 100% sure if he'll ever be self-sustainable. That's the game we play. Right. But the truth is, maybe, maybe not. We're not really sure. My oldest is 21, which makes me feel incredibly old. Uh-huh. Uh, How old are you, by the way? 42. Just man to man. 42? 42. Okay. 42. I hit 50 this year, and I'll tell you, that one's humbling as well. Yeah. It, Especially it, when you've got an 11-year-old child with autism, all of a sudden you're doing push-ups and sit-ups. Like, I got to stay a while. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I get it. He's 21. He he is more profoundly impacted on the autism spectrum, and, and he has a lot of other health issues that he's actually doing pretty well with. But up until recently, actually until COVID, I, I really didn't think I would ever have an empty nest, right? Like I didn't think that, you know, he would ever, you know, find any type of independent living situation that would be safe, that would accommodate his needs and whatever, uh, mm-hmm. or he would, he would be willing to do that. And during mm-hmm. COVID, and I don't know if it's because we were like on top of each other for a year, he decided he wants to move out. <laughs> and so we're looking really? at like, yeah, like he's preparing for it. He's practicing things. I mean, he's, he can do pretty well on his own. He just needs guidance sometimes and just a little bit of supervision because common sense isn't common sense and problem solving are things that he kind of struggles with. Mm-hmm. He can make his own food and do his own laundry and uh, manage his own schedule. He remembers to take his own meds. Like he does really, really well on his own. And the idea of him moving out is scary, but it's also really exciting because it's like a, it's a whole chapter of my life that I didn't think I would ever get. And so I guess the moral here is that you just never know what's going to happen until it happens. And, and go ahead. Would you mind if I asked you a couple yeah. of questions actually? Um, sure. This is, I mean, you know, I know I'm supposed to be self-promoting or whatever, but I'm actually super fascinated about your experience with your 21-year-old. So yeah. when you said that he's profoundly affected, like, what does that look like? He he is cognitively, he's been pegged at somewhere in like the six to eight-year-old range. And you wouldn't notice it all the time, but it's it's more in like emotional situations where he can get, you know, upset or frustrated or something like that. And he kind of does that in more of I guess would be inappropriate for adults and more appropriate for someone in second grade or third grade or something like that. Intellectually, he's, I mean, he's pretty smart. He remembers things like never say anything in front of him that you don't want to ever be repeated because he will remember it 10 years later and say it at the worst possible time. Yep. But you know, I mean, there's a lot of repetition, a lot of practice goes into, you know, everything that he, he learns and he does. He has uh, CVID, which is common variable immunodeficiency. So he has a very compromised immune system. So he has to do IVIG infusions twice a week just to stay healthy. Uh, he mm-hmm. does those by himself. 
uh, anemone uh-huh. that requires him to put needles into his stomach, you know, each time. He was diagnosed with epilepsy. He doesn't seem to have any problems with it. It's 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 managed without meds. He was also diagnosed as schizophrenic officially on his 18th birthday. And really? Been, yeah. Okay. He's, he's been off meds for almost a year and a half now due to COVID uh-huh. because his, his medications required weekly blood work that we just couldn't uh-huh. do. He's been mm-hmm. off his meds and there hasn't been a, like, he's just functional and he's happier. And I'm not suggesting that people take their schizophrenic loved ones off of their meds because that's not always a good idea. I mean, we did it with the doctor and whatever, but like, I didn't expect things to go as well as they have gone and he's not going back on them unless something changes. So that's been hugely positive, but it is, there, there's some frustration in the dynamic between my two youngest and him because you know he he recognizes that he's 21 but he doesn't act like he's 21 right like he doesn't mm-hmm. maturity wise he's he's not at that level and in almost every way my two youngest uh, uh uh 12 and 15 have surpassed him as far as maturity and and things like that and so there is this sort of conflict between they see him as a big brother but he acts like their little brother and that's frustrating and as much as they understand, they are still, they still sort of react to what they see rather than what's underneath the surface, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, of course it does. Yeah. I mean, if you're a 12 year old and a 15, you know, I've taught historically f- forever and I've been an art teacher, which means kids with special needs that weren't even diagnosed with special needs sort of gravitated to art, gravi- gravitated to art, right? Because, because it's a great place for people who are nonverbal or have verbal challenges to really shine. Mm-hmm. And so my experience experience teaching 12 and 15 is very much in my wheelhouse. And so for those kids who are looking at a 21 year old, that's recognized as sort of, you know, they look at you as the dad and then him as this, you know, this big brother, a full beard. But, like, I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. But then he's got this, like you say, the emotional uh, temperament, of a six to eight year old, you know, sidebar, my mom, I was raised with a borderline schizophrenic bipolar mother who really, her mood swings were outrageous. And I think I would have pegged her emotional um, sort of ceiling at about 12, 12 years old. So I remember being a kid around 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, and realizing that my mom was an authority figure that I had to listen to, but also that uh, I felt a little betrayed by her sometimes. I felt like I couldn't trust her because she would act, she would do things that were frankly age inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that that dynamic is there for them as well, and it's confusing. Yeah, it it is. And, And, you know, Gavin has come such a long way such a long way. You know, he used to have a lot of behavioral issues that he just doesn't have anymore. You know, he manages his, uh, frustrations and, you know, he, he stands up for himself now, which is really positive because he's kind of the perfect victim for a long time. And Gavin's the oldest, obviously. Yeah. Elliot's 15 and Emmett is 12. He'll be 13 this summer. And so it's just, it's been a, it's been an interesting rewarding challenge. I mean, as you know, it's, it's difficult, but it's rewarding. And, Mm -hmm. and doing that as a single parent, is really not easy and i'm sure buddy i'm i'm really sure i'm i'm fascinated by you that's it's just you're you're a you're a hero as far as i'm concerned oh well i i appreciate that um flawed 
horribly flawed. I, I like to share the flaws and the mistakes because like maybe someone who's walking behind me on that same path can avoid those same pitfalls that, that I make. Or can accept their failures mm-hmm. and not be so damn self-judgmental as we guys tend to be and just say, yep. I'm not a terrible person. Brush your shoulders off. This happens. It's yeah. okay. Yep. Yeah. I have, I have the, yeah. I, in fact, I just, I just wrote something on Facebook because it's been a, it's been an interesting couple of days for me and I'm uh, dealing with some sort of changes in my life that I really hadn't expected. And uh, like relate, like relationship wise. And I, I woke up this morning with this just like moment of clarity that I just haven't had in like a really long time. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I just realized like, like shit happens and it is what it is. It doesn't define me. It, you know, I, I am worthy and, you know, I'm just going to keep on keeping on. My, my focus is to continue to better myself, grow my business, you know, keep my kids moving forward. Cause they're still dealing with, you know, divorce and everything else. And, you know, and COVID, right? COVID is just, there is no uh, COVID. Uh, yeah, it's the apocalypse, dude. I mean, yeah, it, we're, it, nobody, no, the entire planet went through this thing. Nobody was untouched by this. Thing. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Yeah. I'm vaccinated fully. Gavin's vaccinated me, fully. The two youngest are just too young to to, uh, to get it right now, but they will. Uh, they're actually anxious to get it. Like, this is the first time they actually want to get a vaccine. But yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess I've, realistically, I've, been a single parent for since 2014 mostly so you were divorced in 2014 my wife left the first time in 2014 we reconciled about two years later Mm -hmm. 2016 early 2017 and Mm -hmm. then uh, she left again in august of 2019 Mm. and because of covid the divorce was delayed but Mm. we got it done in february so i think it was like february Mm. 9th or something that it was finalized of 2021. 20, 21. Okay. And just out of curiosity, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, no, this I is what I do for a living. I'm a coach of right away. I'm this like, is kind of what, interesting what, are dynamic. The, what are the relationship changes? Oh, well, I, I had, I had, I had started dating, started dating and, and I have found that there's, there's baggage that I carry with me, you know? And, yes, sir. and not like, not like I'm emotionally available, all, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. but there's a lot of self-esteem kind of yes. things where like, uh, where I feel like, like I'm not good enough or I, I hear things that have been said to me in the past about, uh, you know, not being, I mean, just to be like completely honest, as humiliating as this is, is like, uh, not man enough or not good yep. enough or not, yep. you know, failure, whatever. Yep. Um, and when it comes from somebody who was the most important person in your life, like you could hear that from just about anybody and be like, whatever, like, I don't fucking care. But, mm-hmm. but some people have, have a lasting impact. Right. And so I, I've, I spent a lot of time in therapy over the last year and a half mm-hmm. and doing really well, mm-hmm. uh, started dating and it, it just sort of abruptly ended and I'm not entirely sure what happened and I'm, uh, like I'm not angry or anything like that. Cause I mean, I mean, she was an amazing person and I, and it just, it just sort of shook me a little bit. And so like, I, I had a hard time sleeping the last couple of days, just trying to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on. And, and mm-hmm. I woke up this morning and I was like, you know what? Like I, I can focus now. 
you know, I, I'm not distracted by things. I, I want to get the business back on track because during COVID it really took a hit. I want to get, you know, all that kind of stuff done so that I'm continuing to better myself for when yep. I find the person that I'm meant to be with, you know? You know, I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to, um, I, I can't help it. I, I was going to pitch Man Up Life Coaching. and What's I mean, a good segue? Good segue. I was going to say, full disclosure, you know, I threw you a couple bucks to have the opportunity to be here. So let's call it what it is, speaking of your business. But I, I, I think I really just want to, you started at the beginning of this thing. Let's make this organic. So I yeah. put all my all my notes away and I'm just in the, in the spirit with this. So I, I'd like to share something with you. Yeah, sure. May I? So um, <clears throat> since you and I have the opportunity to do... Um, we're looking at each other in the Zoom chat. Right. Now your podcast, nobody's going to see this, but I'm actually going to share screen with you. Oops, mm -hmm. never mind. Just kidding. Host disabled screen share. Oh, that's okay. I can do. I didn't mean. To. That's right. Don't. Okay. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, I, I'll, I'm going to read something to you. Sure. So this is the segue in man up life coaching, but m more than that, it's it's a segue into the problems that men tend to have. Now, as you know, there's an overlap with your audience which is dads and particularly autism dads, which is to say special needs dads and my audience, which is guys between 20 something, be something who feel that they're stuck in some way in their lives. Now here I am having a chat with you and I'm realizing you might get some value from this sort of failure script versus judgment script piece that I share with my client leads in our first call. If somebody finds out about Man Up Life Coaching, hits one of my ads, goes through the sales funnel, puts themselves on my calendar, I set up a Zoom session just like this. Next thing you know, we're talking and they say, they say, um, so I Googled you or I clicked your ad because I'm feeling stuck in my life. That's the number one thing that I hear. And say, let me take a shot in the dark and you tell me if this resonates with you. And they say, go on. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, so as a man, you're either reading from a failure script or a success script. Let's start with failure. And now because I've been, I've been technically an educator for more than 30 years, which means I've been a mentor for that period of time. And I've been operating under the brand Man Up Life Coaching for nearly a decade. Obviously, Man Up is a bit of a double entendre. On one hand, it's designed to challenge you, to man up you, whatever, so-and-so, you know. But it really honestly means we don't want to see a man down. We want to see a man up. So that's the real message here. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a judgment. But judgment is the language that most of my men are speaking when they come to my front door. So over the years, this script has turned into a seven-part script. There are seven steps. I posit that there are seven steps to failure and similarly seven steps to success. So as a man, if you're reading off the failure script, step one, judgment. Guys tend to be so self-critical. We're constantly holding ourselves to a standard and judging ourselves for not meeting that standard. And therefore, we 
hold others to the same standard we hold ourselves to, which means we can be equally critical of others. And it causes significant stress because we live in a state of perpetual judgment, which leads to step two. And I'm just going to grab the mic and run with it for the script, if you don't mind. Okay. It leads to step two, which is rage. Now that can be a funny, funny language to use because for a hothead, Rage. It's like, yeah, yeah, there's rage. I, I would have ripped somebody's freaking head off. Rah! You know, but if you're an accommodator or a nice guy, which is what I perceive you to be. But again, that comes with its own downside. Judgment leads to rage. But instead of letting yourself lose your temper because you're, you know, you're you don't have the, a six or eight year old emotional, you know, maturity you recognize that it's inappropriate to just rage when things don't go your way. So you choke it down. And the effects of repressing your rage can be really sneaky. It leads to step three, which is depression or lethargy. Now, that's not to be confused with, I'm sure there's a therapist out there who's going to say clinical depression, chemical you know, based on a chemical imbalance, it's not just lethargy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But what I'm saying is that for many, many guys I've demonstrated over the past 30 years, so there's my mic drop, that often what's being, <laughs> often what's being regarded as depression is in fact hostility turned inward. When you choose not to rage and send it, but instead you swallow it, you're still swallowing that, that bomb that attack. And it starts to zap you. You start to lack energy. You lack motivation. You lack drive. And I'm talking to a guy who has to get up in the morning and deal with three kids that aren't easy kids. And I know that you've, I know that you've been fighting the good fight. I know it. I know it. Depression and lethargy lead to step four, which is insecurity. Insecurity because you aren't using your voice. You aren't expressing yourself appropriately. You're operating from fear. You're operating from judgment. You're operating from failure, which is probably why your podcast was such an incredible release for you. It was a chance to have your voice validated. Yeah. Step five, risk avoidance. You lack, start lacking the confidence to take risks. You hedge your bets. They can be creative risks, financial risks, emotional risks, but you play it conservatively because, you know, you don't want to, you're afraid of loss. You're, you're coming from a place of fear, which leads to step six, which is stagnation. You're stuck. And that's the primary reason guys end up on my calendar seeking a coach. They've hit a plateau. Their groove has become a rut. They know something needs to change, but they don't know what it is. They're lacking direction. So step six, stagnation leads to step seven, which is lack, because you're not living in an abundance mindset. Therefore, you're not living in an abundance lifestyle. You're not living up to your full potential. Something is lacking, which ultimately means everything is lacking. It's not winning. It's losing. It's failure. Game over. Help. You guys can't see this. You can't see it either. But I've been sitting here kind of like wringing my hands. It's not uncomfortable, but it's. It's like, like it hits really close to home. I experienced pretty much everything that you just said in the way that you said it. Yes. I, I have always, I have always held myself to an impossible standard. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, as a dad, I should be able to fix everything. As a dad, I should be able to take away their pain or make, <clears throat> make things better, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you can't, I mean, yes, especially as a dad, right. especially like you, you can't, I, I wake up every day of my life knowing that on my best day, I'm never enough because there, the needs 
far exceed the resources that I have emotionally and physically. And that I've gotten better with that over the years, but I'm Uh telling you like that feels shitty. Like you wake up every morning and you feel like a failure just because you're set up for failure. And like, I could tell all the parents that I talk to like, Hey, this is, this is why you feel that way. Don't do this, whatever, whatever, whatever. But Mm -hmm. I get stuck in that mindset. And, you know, yes, I, want, I want to move out of the house, uh, uh, out of our house to a better neighborhood. I want to, I want to be married for the rest of my life. Like I, I didn't, my divorce mm-hmm. completely blindsided me mm-hmm. while well, it ended up being probably one of the best things that ever happened. Ultimately, it totally just changed the course of my life. It turned my whole world upside down. I am in therapy every week and that helps sort of with like the emotional side of it to some extent. Well, it, it helps me to kind of find my center and it helps me manage my depression because I'm, I'm clinically depressed and I take meds and stuff every day for that. Like, uh, like, like ser- uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, like that sort of thing. Uh, uh yeah. Like Prozac. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they made a okay. big, big difference. And exercise was my go-to thing for same, same feeling, feeling better, you know, and then COVID hit, mm-hmm. threw that all out the window. And, but you know, it's like, I, I see my parents' marriage, right. And they've been married for I'm 42. So 43 years going on 43 years. I mean, there's sort of a shining example of what I think marriage is. Love is love. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm, I'm just saying for my image of what marriage is for me in my life is I see my parents as an example. And it seems sort of like an impossible standard because like, I, I don't think marriage is like there's happen all the time. And I had, I had found myself in a situation and really for the first time since I was married that I, I really thought like, wow, like this is it. Like I'm, uh, this is such an amazing thing. And then it just disappeared. And I don't understand everything that's going on. I don't understand why, but I, I'm not angry. I'm not really even hurt because the shitty thing is I kind of feel like I deserve it and, or like I don't deserve to be happy. And so you get kind of caught in this rut and we're back. Yeah. You get stuck in this mindset. where like, you're not good yeah. enough and you're not this, you're not that. But like, at the end of the day, I'm raising my kids on my own. I've been doing it for a very long time. I have a website that I've been helping parents and families across the globe for over a decade that's still relevant. I mean, most sites on the internet are stagnant. I make a difference in people's lives. And I used to be a medic, and that's how I made my difference. I was a firefighter. That's how I made my difference. Were you a firefighter? Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, have fire a, medic. I actually, you know, I have a lot of guys, and uh, a couple of them are, are firefighters. One is a, a, a fire paramedic mm-hmm. in um, just outside of Chicago, rural Illinois. It's really good if you're that like fixer kind of mentality. Yes. And you know, you want to, you want to make a difference and you want to help people. And I have this compulsive Mm -hmm. need to help people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I had to quit that to be more involved at home, I had to find something else to do that filled that void. And I, and that's why I started doing this stuff and it's not the same, but you're still helping people. And I mean, the adrenaline isn't there, but I mean, it kind of is what it is, but, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm also a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Um, I, I have a motorcycle. I, mm-hmm. I, I ride 300 to 600 miles on any given Sunday. I'm blessed oh, to wow. be in yeah, Southern California. So I'll ride from sea level. I'll ride up to elevation, maybe 4,000. Then I'll ride a lot of Canyon carving and twisties and things. And then oh, wow. ride back down into the desert, go through the desert for a good long way, ride up through Joshua tree, just like, really do some riding. And I mentioned the motorcycle bit because I think it satisfies 
my need to to really lean into sort of fear and discomfort, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, probably the same bell that you're ringing when you're going into a crisis situation as a fire paramedic. Yeah, like you, I used to get so frustrated with people because to me, making decisions was was not a problem, right? Like you had to make, or I had to make life or death decisions in split seconds in the most inhospitable situation possible. Yes, sir. Under dire circumstances where I'm the only one who's going to be responsible if I make a mistake or someone's going to pay with their life. I could do that all day. But when I would come out of that and it's like, what do you want for dinner? And I'm, and, and <laughs> I'm like, it's not that hard guys. Like the fuck do you want for dinner? Like I just spent yeah. like all this time <laughs> making all these like, like crazy decisions. And I just, what do you want for dinner? Like, it's not, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. But you know, it taught me a lot. It's taught me to appreciate things. There's baggage that I carry from that. Cause I've seen, uh, yeah, some things ugly stuff that you yeah. just can't unsee. And that uh-huh. even talking to a therapist about doesn't help because they don't get it. Mm-hmm. And you almost, you, you need that brotherhood that you were a part of because they know what it's like to be in that situation. They've seen the same things that you can't unsee. And it really just sort of impacts, it impacts a lot of, a lot of the decisions that I make. Like I'm more like, I, I don't want to ever go to bed angry with anyone. Right. Like, cause, cause I don't ever want to be the person like I took into the hospital who went to bed angry and never woke up or was fighting with his wife and died on his way, you know, died on the way to the hospital. You know, I mean, there's, there's all of these things that I've experienced that I just don't, I don't want to be on the negative end of that kind of stuff. And so it Mm -hmm. makes me kind of hyper, hyper vigilant a little bit, but you know, I mean. It's hyper vigilance because, you know, I I don't know if I mentioned this to you in our first call, but I'm the survivor of some pretty significant trauma. I mean, I'll just, I, I have no shame in my game. I'll put it out there. I was raised in poverty. I am a child of abuse. I'm a child of uh, molestation. Uh, I've been to 24 different schools because we were constantly being evicted and had to move somewhere else. I was officially on my own in high school. I was living by myself at 15, 16 years old. I was living illegally in a trailer on the side of my bus driver's house in uh, North Babylon, Long Island. I graduated high school with high honors. Regardless, I walked to school in the fricking snow. Like I just, I was a grinder man. And uh, I ended up getting a full four-year scholarship to Cooper Union for the advancement of science and art on the merit of, of my drawing abilities. My drawing abilities came from the fact that I was constantly drawing. I always had a pen and pad, and I used that as a coping mechanism because I was constantly in a state of survival. I was, I lived in survival mode. The traumatic things that you've seen in your life. I've seen trauma too. I've seen dead bodies. I've seen people blow their heads off and their teeth go flying all over the place. I've seen some ugly shit, like real war story stuff. I told you I'm sober 14 years. I shouldn't say sober. I should say dry. I'm weed friendly, but I'm dry 14 years. I made some poor decisions as an angry young man on alcohol um, that ended me up in jail. I was in Rikers Island in the 90s and... um, I've I've lived in really, really wickedly dangerous situations, and I know what it is to be in survival mode. I mention it to you as a precursor to going into the part B of my little spiel, which is that I shared the failure script with you. I'm going to share the success script with you because what we do here at Man Up Life Coaching, which 
I'm in San Diego, but I serve service an international clientele. I have clients freaking everywhere. Santiago, Chile, Lagos, Nigeria, the UK. I've got clients all over the freaking place. Moral of the story is these are all guys who have in common that for some reason or another, whether they've seen the, the bowels of hell, like people like you and I have, or they're just in their own personal hell that feels just as bad, even though there's nothing as obviously wrong. You can't see the trauma, but they're still suffering. And that's fair. These are guys who I say are in survival mode. Basically, what we do here is we go through three stages. We recognize that you're in survival mode. We change your script. When you start putting down the old script and reading from the new script, that puts you into eventually maintenance mode because you're maintaining a new habit. And if you do that for long enough, creative mode comes along. And that's when suddenly by enforcing a moratorium on women, let's say, and saying, I'm not going to sit around crying about wanting a woman. I'm just going to do me. And then a woman comes along and it happens perfectly. Like your mom comes along for your dad type thing, or you get a job opportunity. I don't know. I mean, for all the irons I've got in the fire, it could be this freaking podcast that launches me to infamy. You never know. So I'm currently not infamous, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but it could happen. But anyway, the moral of the story is we go from survival mode to maintenance mode, maintenance mode to creative mode. And in creative mode, things just work. In survival mode, you're Charlie Brown, man. No matter how hard you try, things just seem to keep backsliding. So here's my little spiel regarding the, uh, the success script rather than the failure script. Um, you in? Yeah. Okay. So as a guy, I've found that dudes don't just want to discuss their feelings. We're, we want to fix the problem. Now, historically, men and women run into communication dif difficulty when she wants him to understand how she feels. And he's like, well, if you've got this problem and you just fix it, then you won't have the problem anymore and then you'll feel better. And she's like, you're not listening. Classic. Just classic argument. Check out the video. It's not about the nail on YouTube. It's a two-minute video that just parodies this problem perfectly. So as dudes... We look at it like a mechanical problem that's out of our league. We admit that we can't do it and we find somebody qualified to help. So in coaching, there's again, a seven step process. The first step is validation. So Rob, the number one problem that guys have is that they're seeking validation from external sources. They can be God, dating sites, porn, uh, social media, who liked, you know, Reddit or whatever, who liked my Facebook, who liked my post, who didn't, video games, uh, sports bets, basically anything that gives you a dopamine hit, comfort food, alcohol, weed, people become addicted to anything that makes them feel validated, especially when they are in a validation deficiency, which you are if you're constantly judging yourself, which frankly, I've heard you, God bless you, but I mean, in, in several times in this conversation. I've heard you use self-deprecating language and mm -hmm. I'm thinking, dude, don't beat yourself up. You're freaking awesome in my, in my worldview. So one of the things that we, that we do is we change this by teaching you to validate yourself. And it's cringy, obviously, because it's easier to say I'm a moron or I'm an, an idiot or I'm a piece of shit than it is to say, I'm a great guy. It feels 
awkward. I deserve love. Like it feels stupid, <laughs> stupid, but you have to freaking do it. There's your man up moment. You know? yeah. <laughs> so validation does eventually lead to step two, which is temporary happiness. I argue that when you judge, it comes from fear. And after that rage subsides, the result is sadness. As we know, anger is a pretty, you know, boolean emotion. It's a vertical. It goes up, you're angry to the moon, Alice, and then it comes back down and you're done. But when it comes back down, it fizzles back into sadness. And sadness, well, it's called the blues for a reason. As you know, sadness is pervasive. It gets all inside of everything like a cancer. It's everywhere. So what we learn is to validate, to get our validation from the appropriate source. Now, I don't care if you pray or meditate or what your religious angle is, but in terms of being in the appropriate positive spirit that you need to be in to model that for the people around you, especially if you're a father, especially if you're a leader, your manning up moment is learning to validate whether you feel good or bad. You feel bad? Cool story. Validate. You feel good? Neato. Keep validating. Validate, 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 validate. As an educator, I learned that step three, validation leads to motivation, period. I'm telling you that's the secret. This is absolute value for anybody listening to this, to this thing. If you come away with anything from this, if you validate, if you meditate to get your mind to shut the fuck up for two seconds, if you validate to overwrite the negative script, that you're running. It's technically called NLP or neuro-linguistic programming. You're reprogramming your brain. Good teachers know this. Good parents know this. Whether you had shitty parents like I had or great parents like you had, it doesn't matter. There's a point at which as a man, you need to father your inner child. You need to say, go get them, tiger. You've got this. One of the reasons I suspect that you've always been such a helper is because you're willing to offer the validation and the help to others that you're not willing to offer yourself. Anyway, motivation leads to confidence, Rob. You know that. Yeah. Meaning instead of relying on others to fluff your wounded ego, you become self-sufficient because you're learning to to validate yourself and you don't give a damn what other people think, which leads to step five, risk-taking. Risks are so critical. Everyone has the opportunity to grow in some way. Nobody's done here. Nobody's perfect. And I argue that if you want to grow, you simply lean into your biggest fears or greatest discomforts. It could be something obvious like skydiving or less obvious like public speaking. I've got a client who kills bears for a living. He lives in British Columbia. He has 2 million acres of land. He's a, he's a hunting outfitter. He gets you know, all the Texans and Arizonians and Alabamians and all the men that want to go out in the bush and kill something and come home with a bear carpet. This dude will walk up to a bear and freaking and turn the pistol sideways and freaking kill it gangster style in cold <laughs> blood. But he's terrified like he would never do what we're doing right now. He's terrified to do public speaking. So whatever your discomfort is, you have to look at that thing and say, today's the day, carpe the DM, God damn it, I'm going in, let's spin the wheel. And when you take that risk, it leads to six, which is change. We start to have liftoff when you take risks. And obviously, you're going to make mistakes in the beginning. Try to pop a wheelie and see how that works out the first time. But if you keep doing it, 
you're eventually going to get better. The key is persistence. You got to keep grinding. You got to keep your cool and you have to stay validating and avoid that judgmental language. Finally, six uh, change leads to seven opportunity. Change creates opportunity. Rather than sitting around upset that you're not getting any breaks, you're not getting the job, you're not getting the girl, when you lean hard into meditation and perpetual validation. Christians say prayer upsets the devil's or interrupts the devil's plan. If Muslims walk around with prayer beads, you know, Alhamdulillah, 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 just counting them up. It doesn't matter what your mantra is. Keep it positive, keep it perpetual, stay in a Zen mindset, even if it kills you, which it <laughs> feels like it's going to. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Eventually, opportunity is going to happen. Good fortune. And when that does happen, you feel grateful and you have the strong impulse to pay it forward, which often leads guys to inquire about becoming mentors. So this is the fa- this is the success script. So I just want to ask, does that resonate with you, dude? Yeah, actually, because that's sort of like I was telling you, had my moment of clarity this morning, and I, and I wrote it all on uh, Facebook for whatever reason, and then I actually put it in a blog post because I thought, ooh, I want to put it here too. But it was like, you know what? Like shit happens. I'm just going to keep being me. I'm going to keep. Uh, moving forward. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to teach my kids this, teach my kids that. And I recognize that I deserve good things. Like I'm a good person and good things can happen to good people. I don't know when that's going to be, but I'm going to do everything I can to be ready for when, whenever that happens. So I, I keep building myself up and bettering myself and moving forward. And then whatever I discover along the way, is what I discover along the way. You know, it'll, it'll happen when it happens, when the time is right. And like you said, rather than sit around and just like be depressed, like, I mean, I was depressed for a couple of days, but like, I, I feel like I just need to move forward and uh-huh. keep knocking this stuff out and keep doing better and making more connections and growing uh, new opportunities, fostering new relationships and helping my kids to uh, be, you know, good humans and, whatever. So it, it does. It very much resonates with me. The failure script really, that got, that, you, didn't that, it? That got yeah. me. I, I was almost, it was uncomfortable to hear, honestly, because like I, it, it was, it was like, Oh, like I hate admitting that, but, but I mean, it's, it's that hit. Very you gotta admit it. Me. Yeah. But you got, but you have to admit it. Well, this was really cool because when we, before we started recording, I was like, you know, I, I really want to kind of do this organic conversation. Cause you and I have talked kind of at length before. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, I really want to kind of do that again. Just it's, flow. Yeah. Yeah. So none of this was actually planned. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <at all. laughs> and so it, it really, I think for like all the guys out there, like if, if hearing, if listening to the failure script, uh, made you really uncomfortable, there's probably a good reason for it. And and, uh, and I, you know, this might be something that you can benefit from, I guess it'd be a good idea to ask, how can they find you? While I do have a YouTube channel, it's kind of in its infancy, but that's a good place where you can go and listen to me say a whole bunch of stuff that might or might not relate to you. But if you're just like, Hey, I really like this dentist guy. And I think I want to set up a call with him. The easiest way to do that is just to go to my website, 
which is manuplifecoaching.com. That's manuplifecoaching.com. Also, yeah, interestingly, malelifecoach.com also redirects to me because I've been around that long. I wow. grabbed that right. sucker way back when. There you so go. if you can't remember the other one, if it's a mouthful, just go to mallifecoach.com. When you go on the website, it'll, it'll say, hey, this is this guy. This is his stuff. And there's a big red call to action that you can hit. And it'll immediately put you on my calendar for a free 30-minute conversation with no obligations. Cool. And I'll, I'll put all that information in the show notes uh, uh, so that people thanks. can just click. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, it, it's super clickable. You just click it and you'll find his website. And if you have any social links or anything else that you want me to share, just shoot me an email and I'll make sure all that stuff gets included. Uh, I really appreciate this. This, this, this kind of unfolded in such a cool way. And I feel better than what I did when I went into it, to be honest with you. Well, that's wonderful. Hey, yeah. right on for, it's just two men just doing what we do. We're two autism dads doing what we do. You're, you're a podcast guy, and I felt very comfortable in your world. And I'm a coach, and it feels like you felt comfortable yeah. in mine. So, yeah, this is, this is great, dude. This is good. I, I, I really appreciate that. One of these days, I'm going to figure out how to keep track of the days anymore. I always have to look. It's Tuesday, I think. So I'll say have a great week. Because that'll make the most sense now, but then it'll be have a great weekend at the end of it because it'll be on a Friday. So either way, uh, stay safe, man. I really appreciate your time. Um, definitely be in touch. And uh, yeah. Love you. Bye. Yeah. Love you. See you. Bye. <laughs> All right, man. Just goodbye to your audience. And I'm going to clock out here and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Thank you right. so much. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Take care, man. Okay. Take care, Rob. Bye. Wow. That was pretty fucking cool. Before I close things out today, I just wanted to say thank you to Dennis for taking the time to come on the show and talk so openly about his family. And we learned about his son and uh, the journey that they've been on as a family as they navigate autism and other things. And so thank you for being so open and honest and transparent about your life. I think it really helps people to to know that they're not the only ones out there dealing with something. So, And I hope it encourages guys to talk because like dads need to talk. Guys need to talk. And so thank you, Dennis. I really appreciate that. On a personal note, I want to thank you for, for turning things around on me during this interview and, and sort of shifting my perspective on things. I hadn't opened up about some of that stuff publicly. And so like I mentioned in the beginning that I, I went back and forth about what to, like, what to edit and what to kind of keep in or what I was comfortable with or whatever. But I, I really feel like you made a difference in my life and I appreciate you challenging me and challenging the way that I think. So I really appreciate it, man. I honestly, it was uncomfortable at first. Like I told you, I think it was uncomfortable, but it was important. And I hope that it helps somebody. You know, I, I opted to leave everything in because I think that like my feelings matter and how I feel matters. And maybe that can inspire someone else to recognize that their feelings matter as well. So thank you so much, Dennis. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, you guys can find Dennis at manuplifecoaching.com. All of the information will be in the show notes. So you don't have to remember it. Just click on the link and you'll be good to go. You can find me at theautismdad.com. All of my social links are at the top of the page. You can hit me up on usually Twitter. I don't really like Facebook, but Twitter's a good one. Or you can just email me on my blog or whatever. That's, that's fine. Uh, I try to get back to everybody who takes time to send me a message. If you need anything, I'm happy to help any way that I can. I hope that you guys stay safe and healthy. 
I will talk to you. Well, have a great weekend, by the way. Have a great weekend or week whenever you listen to this. And I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks. See you. Bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U dot com, and be sure to use the code THEAUTISMDAT at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.